and welcome back to the podcast series called The Alphabet of the Heart. My name is James Kirby and I'm here with Dr. James Doty. It's good to see you again. Yes, it's been so long. <laughs> That's right. And here we are up to podcast number 10 uh, in the Alphabet of the Heart podcast series. Uh, so there are a number of previous episodes, so do feel free to go back and listen to them. And you can find them on the Care website or through uh, the podcast series on iTunes, SoundCloud, your website, Dr. Doty. JamesRDodyMD.com and IntoTheMagicShop.com. Excellent. So today we are up to uh, letter nine in the alphabet, and and this particular letter is on K, which stands for kindness in, in the mnemonic that Dr. Doty um, so brilliantly created, and which was a focus uh, in his book that was released this year called Into the Magic Shop. Uh, and the Into the Magic Shop uh, is a reflection on Dr. Doty's life. And um, if you haven't read it already um, or haven't yet been inspired to, to, to get yourself a copy as a result of these podcasts, definitely get yourself a copy. Um, it is profoundly um, honest and insightful and, and really had an impact on my life just reading myself, Dr. Doty. So thank you for, for putting all those, you know. Yes, no, well, thank you so much for reading it. And uh, um it's really actually been incredible uh, for me because, as you mentioned earlier, um, I was blessed that it was a New York Times bestseller, but also by the fact that it's being translated into 22 languages. And it's really amazing because sometimes we think that everyone's life is better than our own life or that they're not uh, suffering in their lives in any way. And what I've been shown, not only... Um, through my own experience, but through emails in response to the book, many people have had difficult backgrounds. Many people have struggled. Many people have been in deep, deep pain. And what my book, fortunately, has been able to help some of these individuals with is to make that connection and know that others have suffered like them and have taken that suffering. And instead of just uh, feeling the pain of it every day, and sometimes ruminating over the situation, um, they're able to um, change their perspective a bit and understand how sometimes uh, these painful experiences can allow us to um, learn an incredible amount about ourselves, about the world, our place in the world, and actually can give us the gift of insight and understanding the true nature of reality. And what happens then is that uh, we realized in many ways that these types of sufferings have been blessings and have allowed us to grow. Now, certainly that's not true of everyone. Some people have had incredibly horrible circumstances that have made it very, very difficult to overcome them, and they're still suffering. But at least uh, in this book are, I believe, some truths that have allowed many people uh, to overcome uh, some of the things we're talking about. And these are not truths that I've come to uh, completely independently or that did not exist, if you will, or that people did not have insight into. The book is really a reflection of truths that have uh, survived the test of time over thousands of years and have been beneficial to so many people, and especially myself. And I've been able to reframe some of them, though, in the context of how those um, uh, beliefs, thoughts, uh, insights uh, have helped others, and then certainly in the context of my own life. And that's really uh, what this book is about, 
And uh, as I've said earlier, what this alphabet of the heart is about, it's a, a self-reflection that created a mnemonic that has been a tool for me to stay centered as a human being uh, as well as a physician. And as part of this series, we're, we're, we're focusing today on, on letter K, which is kindness. And, uh, and to begin with, we, we always sort of focus on, you know, why it was included as a central feature in the mnemonic. We then sort of start to look at some of the science and research behind that quality. And then finally, some practical tips on how to cultivate it. So kindness, I can't think of a better quality to include in many ways. <laughs> well, you know, being from Australia, it could have been kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but actually, I pick kindness. Uh, well, <laughs> answer, for those of you who may be new to this podcast, uh, Dr. Kirby is from Australia, and he's a fellow visiting uh, with us at Stanford, uh, and it's really been a joy and an honor to have him with us. Oh, thank you. Uh, but, um, so I kid him about his Australian background and try and greet him every day by saying, good day. Uh, but anyway... Back to kindness. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. It's been an absolute uh, joy to be here. And, and thanks for your kindness, actually, for supporting, you know, my, my process of coming here. So thank you so much. Uh, well, you're welcome. So here we are displaying uh, gratitude, humility, uh, <laughs> integrity, uh, kindness. Uh, so kindness. Um, like any type of research endeavor, um, before you can do research, you have to define specifically uh, the parameters and the definitions of the terms that are being used in the research you conduct. And um, in the regard to compassion, we define compassion as the um, recognition of another's suffering with a desire to alleviate that suffering. And uh, when you talk about a desire, actually that's a mental state. It's not necessarily an action. And the reason I include kindness is twofold. One is this idea of doing a selfless act for another without uh, a a requirement for benefit to self is really exemplifies uh, compassion or at at its highest, if you will. And uh, uh, so that's why it's included. And we know that uh, when individuals do kind acts, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about the research, it has a very positive effect on your physiology and it affects others around you. And by seeing another be kind, uh, it motivates uh, not only the receiver, but those who observe the act to demonstrate kindness. And this has been shown over and over. And remember, kindness doesn't have to specifically relate to suffering per se. Mm. Kindness can be a simple act uh, that has no motivational aspect other than simply to uh, offer care uh, or benefit to another. And in fact, uh, you could also um, use the term altruism with the exception that typically altruism is associated with this idea of giving selflessly to another without uh, seeking benefit, uh, but also typically at some cost to yourself. And that's the subtle difference between those two terms. But kindness is really uh, quite extraordinary and is very, very powerful. It's interesting. In your book, you write, um, ultimately, kindness sometimes can return back to us and the good feelings it generates and how it and how others treat us with kindness. And 
just to continue the Australian theme, it almost feels like kindness is a boomerang. You throw it out and it's, it tends to come back. Wow, uh, that's incredible. <laughs> exactly. Great insight, James. And I, 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 I knew you would never have really gotten that until you came to Stanford. And, uh, uh, exactly. Although, remember, uh, you know, I was using a boomerang one time and I threw it. Um, in fact, I was in the gardens at Melbourne with my children and it came back and hit me. That was the, it, the my boomerang was not being kind. <laughs> It's certainly the boomerang's fault there. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, good on you for being able to get it to return. That's quite a skill. But moving on to the second part now of this podcast, which starts to look at some of the science and research related to kindness. Um, as Dr. Dodia said, we already know that you know kindness has you know various impacts on, on, on physiology, which are positive. Uh, you know, often you know I think people can relate to that sense of being kind to another, and immediately um, the sense of goodwill that goes with that and potentially people can you know if they reflect on moments when they've shown kindness to another almost the, the immediate smile which is generated as part of your facial expression as an example of the immediate impact it has on us um, so kindness can be very contagious it, it makes people happy it creates positive feedback loops and there have been numerous studies conducted showing how uh, kindness is related to a number of positive aspects such as happiness decreases in pain stress anxiety uh in fact, a, a lot of kindness-based meditations um, have been evaluated now. I mean, they've been around for thousands of years, of course, but science recently has been really focusing on um, examining their impacts in randomized control trials, which is a, a very high level um, of evaluation. And they've found in a recent study that was published in a fantastic journal, uh, the Journal of Consulting Clinical Psychology, uh, they included 22 studies um, that looked at kindness-based meditations and found it was associated with a number of positive outcomes such as uh, reductions in depression, um, increases in mindfulness and compassion as well as self-compassion and reductions in anxiety. Now, uh, these meditations, these kindness-based meditations, um, often um, fall under sometimes the umbrella of a loving-kindness meditation. Um, where you're, you're providing goodwill and good wishes uh, towards others and also uh, towards yourself. And, and they often form part of a number of those compassion-based interventions we've mentioned previously, such as the, the Compassion Cultivation Training Program here at Stanford, um, as well as other programs as well. So there's also been some really cool research showing how kindness uh, through spending money also can positively impact you. So often we hear the term money doesn't uh, buy happiness, but it, it's more so about some recent research done by Elizabeth Dunn and colleagues has found it's how you spend money that really can influence your happiness. And what they found in a really cool study was that if you use that money um, on others through whether it be um, donating it to uh, perhaps a charity or uh, trying to assist somebody else in a disadvantaged position, they found it increased happiness for the person um, giving the donation. So uh, compared to the people who used the money on themselves, it was really quite a fascinating study. So next time uh, you're in a position um, to donate uh, money, uh, Think of that as an underlying um, benefit as well. And uh, Dr. Doty is, is a clear example of that in so many ways. And I've certainly been a recipient of his generosity at different times. So thank you. Well, uh, thank you for that comment, James. That was very kind of you. And that research is, is really quite fascinate, fascinating. And it's, it's really, as you point out, uh, through these uh, randomized controlled studies, has really uh, been shown uh, how powerful it is in regard to affecting one's um, 
affect, uh, their disposition, their receptivity, uh, resilience. And uh, again, that's just for the self. Uh, um, uh, and these types of acts, what people don't realize is that oftentimes just saying hello to an individual mm. who's had a difficult day or um, what we don't appreciate is that oftentimes jobs that often are perceived as menial or uh, um, not that important, uh, and again, as we talked about in the earlier podcast, are often associated with minimum wage and uh, really a lot of uh, pain in and of themselves. When you recognize another person, show them respect and dignity, kindness, if you will, think about uh, what they're going through because so many people just are in our rush state of modern society and they just don't take that second or two. But it can be extraordinary, extraordinarily powerful. Um, I was told a story about a young lady who um, was a student at Stanford and uh, one of my students uh, was in the dorm with her and uh, every day she would this young lady would just sit she wouldn't communicate with other people uh, she wouldn't even smile oftentimes and uh, um, this person uh, my student every day would greet her and say hello I hope you're well um, if there's anything I can ever do just let me know and uh, over and over again, there was no response for this young lady, mm. from this young lady. And actually, after about six weeks, um, she walked by again. <clears throat> and she said this. Um, <clears throat> and this young lady just broke into tears. Mm. And uh, when that happened, uh, my students sat down with her. And this girl expressed um, uh, how she had come to college and uh, she had had some very difficult times at home. Uh, she had a stepfather who uh, uh, had abused her. And uh, she was concerned about... <clears throat> her mother, her siblings, and she had been having a difficult time concentrating at school. And <clears throat> she said, you know, I, I've been sitting here in, in pain and I haven't known what to do. And I'm sorry I ignored you. Um, but to make a long story short, these two people became friends. And <clears throat> ultimately, um, this young lady was able to gain insight into her situation, and my student was able to guide her in some ways to some resources and things that uh, helped alleviate her suffering. And at the end, after several months, she said, you know, I sat there, no one talked to me, nobody made an effort, and I was really thinking about suicide at one point. Mm -hmm. And because of you, uh, it changed everything. 
the power of hello, right? It's exactly. Just, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, we, we so need connection um, and isolation. And there's been many studies showing this now. Isolation is perhaps one of the number one I- I- public health issues that is impacting lives. No, you're right. I, I mean, imagine there was a study that was done uh, here in the States, um, and uh, 25% of people, when surveyed, said that when they were in pain or suffering, they did not have a single person to turn to. And it's interesting when you reflect on what that means. Let's say 100 or 200 years ago, how people lived was uh, oftentimes in multi-generational environments. Uh, You know, their parents, their grandparents, their siblings, their siblings or their children often lived all together in close proximity. You did not leave your village or your town. Everyone knew you. And, you know, when you have that environment, uh, the situation is that everyone knows who you are. They've seen you in diapers. They've seen you at your best self. They've seen you at your worst self. And what happens, though? They love you. They still love you. They embrace you. They understand your weaknesses. They're acknowledged, and they help you become a better person and overcome those weaknesses and help you uh, promote your strengths. And in those types of environments, with that sense of trust and unconditional love, it has a huge, huge positive physiologic effect. And in fact, these uh, areas of the country or the world called blue zones, mm. where people typically live over 100 years, um, they actually uh, oftentimes are not necessarily uh, practicing moderate eating or getting exercise, and sometimes many of them even smoke. But the condition that is present in all of them is that they maintain retain community, connection. And as a result, within that community, there is this sense of acceptance and trust. And the reason that 25% of people uh, say they have no one to speak to or talk to when they're in pain or suffering is because in modern society, it's it's a society on the move. Uh, oftentimes, uh, you don't live in proximity to your siblings, your parents. Um, you don't know the people who you work with really very well. And what happens so often is that in these types of situations, uh, because you are afraid of expressing who you really are with your frailties, your failures, your weaknesses to another person you don't know, you create a projection of your best self, which is, well, what you projected may be true in the sense of your best self, it doesn't show your worst self. And then this forces the other person to do the exact same thing. And then you cannot have true authentic connection because you're not being authentic. And there are people who've sat across from a cubicle who, while they may socialize on a very superficial level, as an example, you may not know that the person in the cubicle next to you recently went through a divorce or they had a child with a a life-threatening illness or a death because people don't communicate at that level. But when you show that you're in pain when you're suffering, this really allows you to have connection and drop this projection and really connect with others. And that's a sad thing because so many people, when they show their vulnerability, when they show their pain, when they show their suffering, when they show deep emotion, it allows others the freedom to do that themselves. In fact, just as I was telling you that earlier story, you know, you could see I was getting Mm. emotional Mm. because I was thinking about it. And, and the pain that young lady must have been in. Um, but 
I would submit to you that the, our listeners suddenly were in that situation and felt the same thing. And my allowing myself to release that emotion allowed them to do so. And exactly. And I think in many ways that's what your book's done as well. You know, it's allowed people to connect and realize it's okay. It's okay to be open and to um, and perhaps discuss some of those real difficulties that are there. Unfortunately, though, like you say, many sometimes don't have someone in their lives. And it's perhaps kindness can act as at least a potential vehicle to help start to build connections with others. So we know some of the research, as we've said, helps with the kindness helps with that sense of social connection. So, and we've started to really go into this this final part around tips to cultivate kindness in your life. And one fantastic way of doing it is just practicing random acts of kindness. So, um, perform perhaps, you know, three to five acts of kindness in one day. And then you might like to, at the end of the day, even reflect on the experience as the person giving out that kindness. And it can be as simple as uh, what Dr. Dodi was saying, saying hello to somebody uh, perhaps you've never met before or somebody you see often but have never really perhaps either had the time or perhaps courage even to say, hello, how are you going? Um, and and other, oh, did you want to add something to that, Dr. Dodi? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just looked across and I saw sort of uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> no, actually, I, it, well, while you were talking, I, I actually was thinking of uh, this individual I spoke to the other day at the hospital here. There's some construction going on, and there was an individual who actually uh, was standing in uh, uh, water uh, digging out some the trench. and But he took a little break, and I was walking towards him. And I said, hello, and I, I, I stopped for a second to ask him about his job. And again, uh, it was really quite interesting because my impression was not too many people do that. But uh, the interesting thing was that uh, uh, he told me a little bit about it. I said, well, what did you do before this? And then he uh, told me he had been in a band. And it really allowed for this conversation to blossom, and we liked some similar music. And I told him, I have a son who's uh, 12 who likes playing the guitar. And it went into this wonderful conversation. And uh, uh, now uh, I still walk to the hospital, of course, and I see him periodically. He always runs over and says hello. And we've shared coffee. And uh, uh, actually, he may be giving my son guitar lessons. Uh, <laughs> so, That's it. You just never know what might be the long-term impact of uh, just stopping, you know, yes. and saying hello. So, I mean, so the challenge, therefore, is see how perhaps you can go about in your daily life, perhaps just just even doing one act of kindness to begin with and then gradually building up perhaps to three or five. But then also reflect on the experience as well. Uh, Oh, yeah, at the same time, setting the intention in the morning, um, uh, which is really the key aspect of the alphabet of the heart, waking up, setting the intention, having a physical cue to prompt you, such as the beads we've discussed previously, and then, of course, engaging in those acts of kindness can be three simple ways and there's also the meditations those kind kindness based meditations such as loving kindness meditations and certainly our compassion uh, cultivation uh, program uh, which we teach here at stanford Uh, but uh, no uh, that's exactly right Um, and again you just never know where these things uh, can go and it is so so beneficial when you connect with another person and you're just able to give the sense of kindness to another and 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 unconditionally with no expectation and uh when you're present for somebody like that uh it's astounding what can occur absolutely as you've 
clearly shown in a couple of those examples today, Dr. Dirty. So that wraps up the uh, the uh, podcast today on kindness, and we move on to our next letter for the next episode, which will be love. Um, that should be a fun uh, conversation, I think. <laughs> James, I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Dr. Dirty. I'm giving him a hug as, as, as we say that. But uh, wrapping this one up, if you want to listen to any of the other podcasts, please jump on the CK website or on iTunes, um, or you can hop on Dr. Dodie's website, which is jamesrdodmd.com and intothemagicshop.com. And again, thank you, James, for facilitating this and being the wonderful person that you are. <laughs>